And then, of course, we know there's a lot of great work that needs to be done on this hill and uh, needs to be done in our community, needs to be done across the world. And that takes resources. That takes people resources. That's our best resource. And so we're hoping to raise up 100 additional leaders in the life of this church. We have many people uh, serving God faithfully week in and week out. They're pouring out their heart and soul to God. But that's just a, a little bit of what we can do here at Orchard Hill. We believe that there are 100 more people who can begin to step up, to get out of the pews, to quit just being passive and consuming, and to get engaged in the work of God. We're looking for 100 people there. And then, of course, we're asking for 10 minutes, 10 minutes of a day, 1%, less than 1% of your day, that you'd be praying for Orchard Hill, praying for the work that God's doing here on the hill and in our community because we know we're nothing. We can't do anything without God leading. And so we want God to empower our ministry. And so those are the commitments that we're looking for. A million, we're looking for a thousand, we're looking for a hundred, and we're looking for ten. Sadly, Larry could not be here today to talk to you about that. But so he asked me if I could relay it instead, and so I am. And, uh, but he did tell me, he said, when you talk to the people and you share that with them, just ask them if they would really work with all their heart to do one thing, get her done. So Orchard Hill, that's what it's about, us getting it done. And we have been looking in the book of Nehemiah uh, along to, as we've watched God's people, how they went at the task of rebuilding the wall of Jerusalem and then drawing our lessons from there on how we can get at our task today to complete the work that God asks us to do here on the hill. So we're going to be looking today, uh, wrapping up our story in Nehemiah. In Nehemiah chapter um, 6 is where we're at. Nehemiah 6 will be at verses 15 and 16. I read this week that Habitat for Humanity in Shelby County, Alabama, built a three-bedroom, two-bath home in a world record time of three hours, 24 minutes, and 36 seconds. A three-bedroom, two-bath home in three hours right? 24 minutes and 36 seconds. That's astonishing. It, it makes me wonder what our mission team does the whole week that they're serving. It really does. They have a handicap. It's right here. That's the handicap. I was going to bite off the 36 seconds. I was going to own that myself, that I was the 36 seconds. That's an astonishing record. I read that that's an astonishing record. But what's even more astonishing is what we read next here in, in God's Word as we have been tracking with God's people who are rebuilding the walls of Jerusalem. Remember when we opened the story, the walls of Jerusalem, which are two miles around, 40 feet tall, 16 feet deep, are laying in a pile of rubble. The gates, 11 of them, I believe. Is that right? Do you know Tim? I'm appealing to a seminary grad. I'm appealing to another pastor. It's 11, 11 gates of Jerusalem that uh, have, have, have fallen off and that are burnt down and it says God's people are barely surviving. So it's desolated. And there they're sent back under Nehemiah to rebuild these walls. And this is what we read in verse 15 after this whole journey. It says this in verse 15. So the wall was completed on the 25th of Elul in 52 days. 52 days. That's astonishing 
because we know that they've faced a lot of opposition. We know that emotionally they have struggled through this. We know that they, had, they, were, they were having to work just with some of them with one hand and also working it at a half force. We've seen a lot of opposition comes against them, but it says here that the wall was built in 52 days. They got her done, which is a beautiful thing. And then we continue to read this. The witness to this task being completed was this. Verse 16, when all our enemies heard about this, all the surrounding nations were afraid and lost their self-confidence because they realized that this work had been done with the help of who? Our God. Our God. With the help of our God. That was the effect of them rebuilding the wall. They got it done. And as the surrounding nations watched, remember, we had that map up a couple weeks ago. This is all the surrounding nations. You got a little remnant here of Jerusalem. You got a little remnant in a pile of rubble. You got the most powerful nations surrounding them. And they have tried over the course of these 52 days to do everything they can to oppose this building of the wall. But all they could do over the course of these 50 days is watch. And they watched as one rock got laid, another rock got laid, another one got piled, another one got piled, and they watched until these walls were rebuilt. And then all of these nations, it says, they knew and they realized that this work got done for only one reason and one reason only, that it was God. That it was God who completed this work that it was God who worked through his people. And every time they looked at that completed wall, their thoughts went to God. Remember, I, I love the, the Hebrew word that's used here where it says they lost their self-confidence. The Hebrew word here really is about their, their eyes were downcast. I like that because they started this whole story not with their eyes downcast, were they? Their eyes were pretty high and pretty haughty. Remember old, our buddy Sanballat and our buddy uh, Tobiah and Geshem the Arab? Uh, they're standing there and they're ridiculing God's people. And they're mocking them. And they're saying even a fox could knock that wall over. You think you're going to make some kind of incense on that? And they're laughing and joking, thinking they are all that. But as they watch the wall go up, they soon realize they're not and their eyes go down and they realize that God is everything that God is everything and I think that's a pretty a pretty good word picture of a, a word that we use a lot in the church and we sang about it this morning it's a good word picture of the word glory the word glory the word glory in Hebrew is kavod. Kavod, it means glory. And at its root, it has um, uh, weight behind it, uh, meaning it's weighty, meaning that this is uh, important, this is uh, heavier. When everything adds up, this is the winner over, over here. It's saying this is where the, the substance is. This is the thing that we need to be looking at because it, it's the most uh, important thing. That's this word that we use for glory. 
Um, another way of, of thinking about this, I was thinking, um, many of you know that I, I'm kind of a, uh, I love history kind of stuff, and so uh, I go to a lot of museums. I've gone to more now that my kids are out of the house because they never wanted to go to museums with me, but I dragged them anyways to them. And whether I was going to the Natural History Museum at the Smithsonian or the uh, John J. Johnson World's Largest Collection of Pencil Sharpeners Museum, both of which I've been to, uh, Becca, do not thumb down the Pencil Sharpener Museum. It was good. We go in there, and but in all those museums, whether you go in the museum or, or whatnot, uh, they're all the same because what you have to do is you look for the light, right? You go in and you look for the light because the light shows you what they deem is most important. Because I always go in to those museums or wherever I am, because we've been in a lot of them, and uh, I say, what's the most important thing here? Because I don't want to miss it, right? Like they may have some artifact I may never ever uh, see again. And it's always setting, the most important one is always setting on a stand, and they got a light just shining right down on it, saying that's the most important thing. I think that's another way to look at this word glory. It's weighty. It, it's the one that's most important. It's a light shining down on it, saying that's the most important thing. That, that's glory. And friends, I believe that just as God's people got, got it done and built the walls of Jerusalem and got it done and they were able to shine a light on God and they were able to show the, the weightiness of who God is and, and glorify his name, that as we get her done, we too will be able to glorify the name of God. We too will be able to lift up his name. We too will be able to shine a light on who God is. And that's a great thing because that's what we were created to do. We were created to glorify God. Often we think this faith thing is about us, right? God exists for us, but he doesn't. We exist for him. Rick Warren in the, the first sentence of his book, The Purpose Driven Life, says it's not about us, it's about God. In one of the great statements of faith, the Westminster Catechism asks the question, what is the chief end of man, the chief end, the number one thing, what is the most important thing that we are to do? And it says man's chief end is to glorify God. To glorify God. That's why we exist. That's what we're here for. To give glory to the name of God, to lift him up, to shine a light on him, to say to the world, here's the one that matters. We, his people, the church of Jesus Christ, that's what we're about. And I believe when we buckle down here and we say, we're going to get her done, we live into that calling. And we shine that light on God and we let the glory of the Lord rise among us. We let the glory of the Lord rise among us. And it puts us in such a sweet place, right where the church should be today. I think as I look at this story that there are three ways, really, that we begin to uh, live into uh, glorifying God as we work uh, to get her done. The first way that I think that we, we shine a light on who God is and glorify him is that we point to a God who rules, okay? We point to a God who rules. Now Sanballat and Tobiah, Geshem, they had all their nations, 
They were kings, they were governors, they had armies, they had riches, they had forces. They thought they ruled the day. They thought they were the ones in charge. They thought that they could be unstoppable. But as stone after stone went up and up and up, they began to realize one thing. They didn't have the power. They didn't rule. There was only one ruler, and that was God. And it says that they began to fear him, it says. They were afraid and lost their confidence because in that journey of watching those walls go up and watching uh, them unable to stop a god, uh, the, the Hebrew god, they realized we're nothing. We cannot stop him. God is back in his house. God is back in the land. And he's it. And God is going to care for his people and we can't do a thing about it. And so they're afraid because God rules. I think we have an opportunity as we get her done to show this community that God rules. That God rules in our lives by the way that we serve him, by the commitments that we make to our God. Because it's a chance for us to put our money where our mouth is. We say God is sovereign. We say God is number one. We say I give my life to following this God and then we're, I'm simply saying, then do it. Show God that he's number one. Show God that he rules your life. James said faith without works is dead. It's nothing, it's meaningless. So demonstrate to God that he is on the throne and you are not. Demonstrate to God that he is the ruler and you are not. Demonstrate to God that the world is not where it's found. Uh, the world is not where it's found, but, but it's in him that it's found. And we do that as we make these commitments and we bow our knee and we say, God, I'm coming to you with the first fruits of my life. I'm coming to you with the best. I am giving to you out of the, the resources that you have given to me. And God, because you rule, I'm going to give you the best that I have. Not the leftovers. I'm giving to you first, right? Because you rule. I don't say to the ruler, I just, hold on, let me think about it. You told me to do this, but just a minute. I guess if I want to do it or not. Uh, no, I don't want to do that. Who's the ruler? The ruler, when the ruler says something, you obey. And Jesus said, how will all people know you're my disciples? You obey. And we come and we give God the first fruits of our, our resources. We give the, God the first fruits of our time. How many of us does our time in our service, does it demonstrate that God is first and that he's ruling? Or does it determine that something else is first in ruling in your life? We come and we give God our best. And when the world looks in and they see us collectively as God's people saying, we have a sovereign God, we have a God who is above everything, and they actually see God's people serving him with all their heart and soul and mind and strength, giving to God out of the abundance of what he gave to them and giving to him first, setting aside our agenda to be a part of God's agenda, to work for him. It says to them, those people believe in a God who rules. Those people believe in a God who is above all gods. And that's what we're supposed to point people to as his church. We're supposed to give God the glory 
to show people that this is a God who rules. And how can we be excited about going to heaven where one day, that's our hope, right? Our hope is to go to heaven where God rules when we're not all that jazzed about living it while we're here on earth. We need to demonstrate to this world who this God is. And we give him the glory through our commitments that we make to put him first. And so I would just ask you, as you set aside your resources and your, your finances, you think about serving God, you think about your time, you think about setting aside time to pray, uh, you think about sharing your faith with somebody, in all of that, are you putting God first and saying, God, I'm doing this. I'm doing this because you're first. And God, I want people to know that you rule and I'm going to point them to you. We glorify God by showing that God rules. We also glorify God by showing the world that God rebuilds. He rules and he rebuilds. That's the whole part of this story, isn't it? God rebuilds. God's in the rebuilding business. He restores, he renews, he, he rebuilds. Our enemy, Satan, he goes around like a roaring lion wanting to destroy and to tear down and to ruin and to leave things in rubble. That's his job. But our God rebuilds. And that's our testimony to the world. Because as I look around this place, I know many of our stories. We've all been rebuilt by our God. I was a pile of rubble. I'm still a pile of rubble. No, no, I'm more like a big boulder, but I'm still a pile of rubble. That's who I am. That's who who, who I was, but, but God got a hold of my life and he rebuilt my life so that I can walk in Christ's likeness. And when we hear the testimonies of God's people, we've, we've heard them here before. I was, I was an addict. I was in prison. I was broken. I was as low as I could be. And I say hallelujah, because that's who we are. We are the rebuilt people of God. In fact, the Apostle Paul points to it in, in 1 Corinthians. He's listing all these evil sins and things going back and forth. And, and our temptation is to look haughty and go, oh my goodness, look at all those broken down sinful people over there. And then the Apostle Paul goes, that's what you were. And we've got to acknowledge that's who we are. That's who we are. We're that broken down people, but because of the grace of God, we've been rebuilt. That's the church of Jesus Christ. I don't know why the church ever lifts its head and thinks we got it all together and we're all righteous and, and we're all holy and everybody out there is all sinful. We're rebuilt people. That's who we are and we're rebuilt for one reason, because our God did it. I didn't do it. God did it. In his great mercy, God said, I'm going to rebuild you and I'm going to restore you. And that's the business that our God is in. And I love the language in, in 1 Peter, because Peter now tells us that we're living stones. Isn't that a good word? We're living stones, being rebuilt into a spiritual house. I like that. That's Nehemiah, written all over it. We're living stones now, rebuilt into a spiritual house. And he says, do you not know that you are the temple of God? Oh my goodness. I went from being a pile of rubble a pile of sin? 
a pile of brokenness to being a place where the very presence of God lives? That's our God. And friends, we need to point people to that God. We need to shine a light on that God. We never need to claim anything for ourselves because we've done nothing. It's all been God. And so we show people this is the weight of God. This is who he is. This is what he does. He rebuilds. Do you know somebody in the world around you who's going through a broken marriage? Do you know somebody who is struggling with a loss? Do you know of somebody who is in the depths of depression? Do you know of somebody in your world around you who is a pile of rubble today? I bet you do. I bet this week you'll meet two or three or four or five or six of them this week. And what our task is, is not just to offer one spiritual conversation over the course of the year, but with each and every one of those people, as Peter says, we, we're, we're supposed to, be, to live to tell them about the hope that we have within us and go, I was a pile of rubble. Let me tell you how not to be a pile of rubble. Shine the light on God. Give the glory to God in our testimony. Say, that's who God is. And that's who we are as a people, that we continually meet together as broken people, as rubble. But we come together because God has rebuilt us all into a community, and then we go out into the world and proclaim that good news. That's our purpose, to glorify God and enjoy him forever. God not only rules and we give him that glory, God not only rebuilds and we shine a light on him, but friends, I think the, the third thing that we need to do is, is show the world that our God reigns. That our God reigns. Because we are people who look ahead with a hope and a future. And what does that hope and future tell us? It tells us that one day we are all going to be under the authority of God who reigns and sits on the throne. And every knee will bow and every tongue will confess that he is Lord. And in that kingdom we are told there is no more mourning, there is no more pain, there is no more sorrow. We are telling that it will be a place of shalom where there's peace and all that is good is going to be surrounding us. That's our God. That's what our God is bringing to the world when he reigns. It's going to happen. And in the meantime, until Jesus Christ comes again, we are placed here as the body of Christ to shine and point people to the time when God reigns. We are to be, a, if you will, a little microcosm of what God's kingdom is going to look like. That somebody can stroll into Orchard Hill and they can get a taste and they can, they can get a sense of what this kingdom is going to be like because I've been with the people of God who are experiencing the fullness of God. And I want that. I want that. We need to show that in our hospitality like we did on Thursday night. We need to show that as we love one another. We need to show that as we walk together in unity and as we demonstrate those things to the world which are in complete contrast to what the world gives, right? In the workplaces, in the school hallways, uh, in your own neighborhood. Uh, we need to be different because we're the people of God, because we serve a God who reigns. And we're living under his, his rule, and we're living according to his kingdom principles. That's who we are. And so we need to, to live that out. But not only do we live it out, we bring it to the world. Jesus says, go. 
and bring it to the world. Be my hands and feet and be my voice. And so we look in this world and where we see this is not reflecting the kingdom of God, we say we're going to step in and do something about it. We're going to show you what a kingdom looks like where God reigns. And, and where people are hungry, that's not right. God doesn't want people to be hungry. And so we're going to feed people because we need to do that. We have students who are struggling in school. That's not right. We think they should be encouraged and we think they should be able to learn. And so we're gonna come and we're gonna mentor and we're gonna walk alongside them. We think that's right. We think that's what a kingdom looks like. There are people who just suffered tragedy and your house has been blown away. And so we're gonna send you a team to work on your house and not fix it in three hours. We're gonna take all week long to fix your house. And, uh, but we think you need a home that you need to live in. Because that's the king, that's our God, that's what our God cares for you. Do unto others as you would have them do unto you. What kind of life do you want? What kind of life do you think God wants for you? Then our mission is to go and bring that to the world because that's where God reigns. People need to get a taste of who God is. And sadly, too often the church is not that. We need to be that community. We're stepping up. We're all stepping out of our pews. We're helping to lead ministries that are extending God's grace in its various forms to this world. We're stepping out, we're giving witness and say, I know a God who wants you to be fed. Let me help you get fed. We, we shine a light on this God and this kingdom of God. That's who we are. We're his church. I believe, friends, as we, we work together to get her done and complete the work that God has for us, God will be glorified in and through us. But I do know this, just as, as Nehemiah, when he called the people together, he said, we got to rebuild the walls. He didn't say to them that this will be easy. He didn't say that. He didn't say, just uh, stay in your comfortable house, and if you got an hour or two, come out and help me rebuild. That would be pretty cool if you would do that. Uh, if, the day, if it's too hot out, you're thirsty, don't worry about it. He never told them it was, gonna, it was gonna be easy. He said it was gonna be difficult, it's gonna be challenging. And he pushed them and he pushed them and he pushed them because the work was gonna be hard. And, and I don't wanna deceive you, this work is gonna be hard. We're gonna work at it. But we're the people of God and we've been given this great mission to glorify our God, to bring his kingdom to the world, to reach lost and broken people. We've been called by Jesus to follow him and we're gonna do it because that's who we are. And yes, it's gonna be hard. And so I'm gonna be like that guy in the front of the picture. That's me telling you right there in the back, yeah. And uh, going after, and it's gonna be hard that uh, we gotta get after this work. But I love the response of the people that we read from day one. How did they get the work done? It said the people worked with all their heart. That's how they got it done in 52 days. They worked with all their heart. We've imagined. What would happen if this community came with all their heart? Do you think it would take us three years to get her done? We could maybe get it done by the end of the year, right? We could get it done in a year, but it's gonna take us working with all our heart to get it done. And we do it, why? For the glory of God. Remember what the Apostle Paul says? He says, whatever you do, do it all for the glory of God. And so today I just want to say it's not about you. This is about God. And the commitments you're making. 
are not about you. It's about the work you're going to do with all your heart for God and for his kingdom. As we close the service today, I just want to ask the praise team to come forward. And uh, we're going to think about these commitments that we're making to God. If you don't have a card, there's extra ones at the end of the pew. You maybe could just ask somebody at the end of the pew to pass them down. If you brought yours, that's good. Uh, if you didn't bring yours today, you may mail it in. You may bring it another week. Uh, this time is really more about your heart and what's going on. But we're asking everybody to contribute to this because we're a church. We're a body. This is what we do. We're going to get after this. We're going to get her done.